What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero, and with me, as always, is Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Not a whole lot. Not much coming out of those press conferences. <laughs> so, a little peek behind the curtain. Levin and I decided to wait because Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were going to speak yesterday on Wednesday. So, we usually record Wednesday nights, but we were like, no, we can't do it. There's two press conferences. We got to wait. And we waited. And basically, we got one thing out of the press conferences to talk about, and the rest of it was a giant nothing burger. But it's actually good because it gives me a chance to rant and take issue with something that uh, I have talked about before on this show with the 49ers media that drives both of us crazy. Uh, but before we get to that, if you're new to the show, this is the show where basically I give you the fan reaction, the emotional reaction. I like to call it the human reaction to 49ers news and Levin gives you the human wet blanket reaction to 49ers news. And I say that every week because he loves that intro. <laughs> uh, I feel indifferent about that intro. Imagine that. See, no emotion. That's how Levin black rolls. Uh, please follow the Niners nation podcast network. If you haven't done so already, you'll get this show. You'll get our daily update in the morning that tells you everything you need to know. It's the perfect time to subscribe as we steamroll towards the regular season. All right. I mentioned the one thing that came out of the press conferences. That was the injury update on Trey Lance's finger, which we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, Kyle Shanahan's Jalen Hurd comments as well. And it, it all kind of goes back to one central theme on this show, Levin. And I think you'll agree with me. You and I have an extremely low tolerance for bullshit. When we smell it, we call it out immediately. Would you say that's fair? Uh, yeah, certainly fair for me. I know that. I feel like on this show, more than any other show on this network, you and I are the first ones to say that that don't smell right. That doesn't make sense. You know, there needs to be more detail or more questions about this particular topic. And that was the first thing that jumped into my head when I heard about this Trey Lance injury. And I don't know why the 49ers seem to always do this. They seem to always downplay injuries, but this doesn't make any sense to me. And it doesn't pass the smell test. So Lance gets this injury, right? Kyle Shanahan calls it a chip. It's a chip on his finger. It's a chip fracture. And like, nobody questions it. No one asks any more questions. They just want to know when's he going to be back. And whatever Kyle says, they just, Take it for granted. Like, I don't know your life, Levin, but have you ever broken a bone? <laughs> that, that's a funny question to ask me. I was the most daredevil, dumb kid. Literally used to have competitions with friends of who was willing to jump off the highest spot. And once jumped off a the roof of a three-story friend's house. Into what? The ground. The ground? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say like a pool or like a bouncy castle. What do you mean the ground? You were just like, hey, let's go three stories up and jump off. Okay. So the background of this, we started because we used, I, I was a not very good kid. Put it that way. Um, I had a friend. Our We lived on two different streets, but the streets were connected by an alley that curved. So we used to, he lived on a really busy street. We used to throw stuff at cars going by. From his oh, roof. You were a real winner, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's even better. We used to throw water balloons that we stole from the store at cars going by. If anybody stopped and came to the house, we'd jump off the back of his roof and run down the alley to my house and stay at my house the rest of the day so that we couldn't get caught. 
So that jumping off the back of the roof started the competition of, I will jump from there. Is that higher than you think you jumped last time? And if we agreed, <laughs> and that lasted and for about a year until I jumped off three stories. And when I landed, my feet were numb for like a solid minute, like legs, <laughs> feet, everything. And I was three stories. So anyways, the backstory, the whole reason I said that is that's what I was like as a kid. Yet I have never broken a bone. I played every sport. There was one. There was two different years where I was literally playing football, uh, baseball, and soccer all at the same time and going to multiple practices a day, and yet I never broke a bone. Wow. That is a very long answer to a yes or no question, but I'm <laughs> definitely glad that we went that route. <laughs> it's it's just funny because that's like one of the, the things I always tell people. Like, It's weird how I've never broken a bone because I was the person that if somebody said, I dare you to run into that brick wall, I would go do it. So you are a horrible person. I think that you just made that clear. We've got theft. We've got potential vandalism. We've got you endangering your friend by getting him to jump off. A I mean, I don't even know if you can do this show anymore. <laughs> uh, then I won't tell you the rest of the things. <laughs> oh, man. We'll have to get into that later. But my point in asking you this question was I have broken a bone. And I can tell you, I don't know of a single bone in the human body that if you break it, it heals in seven days. And I feel like all the 49ers reporters, and I don't want to call them press because they don't press the 49ers on anything. They just, I don't know if they're in a hurry to tweet it out, Levin, or what it is, but like no one has questioned this. Hasn't any one of them ever broken a bone or had a kid that's broken a bone? What bone do you know that when you break it heals in seven days? So there's a couple things here to say. One, I think the Niners press corps is missing that columnist that will push. You know, Grant Cohn took a different job. He still somewhat fills that role. Like, there was a series of questions there where you could tell somebody was pressing him. I didn't watch it. I read the transcript instead. I'm assuming it's Cohn because it's always Grant Cohn when he's pushing back. It was. And you see Kyle getting, you know, like, you can just, you can even see it in, in the reading of the transcript. Kyle's getting frustrated because he's re-asking the same question. Um, well, one, that's being a reporter, but he doesn't have to do that as much because he has a little bit of a different role than the columnist job he used to have. And there's not that columnist that's going to sit there and be, you know, the grease, be the person who calls them on their stuff. And the other part of it just goes back to, you know, I went to school for journalism. I had professors. And one of the things they teach you is the way in which to phrase questions. You phrase them to where they're almost backed into a corner. They don't have a choice but to answer. You know what I mean? And that was the question that I think was missing. You know, you, you ask for the update on Trey Lance. You expect them to be vague, especially with the history of this regime. You should know by now they're going to be vague. The question that should have been followed up was how confident are you he will be back in one week? Because if you say, how confident are you, you're forcing the coach to insert his opinion. You're forcing him into a corner where he has to give you the likelihood that it's actually going to only be one week and thus opens the door to it might not be just one week. So John Lynch spoke before Kyle yesterday and said, well, the swelling is going down. He's trending in the right direction. And it was like, okay, well, you guys seem pretty confident that it was a week. Now, all of a sudden, it's trending in the right direction, and we'll be very cautious and do right by Trey. So I understand why Kyle was asked about it. 
And Grant specifically asked, is this something that can linger into the regular season? Here's what Kyle said. Anytime you got a, a small chip, he, I mean, it could linger. Um, I hope it doesn't. You know, I'm hoping he's back there next Monday. Uh, that's the goal. He seems positive about it. And, um, you know, we got to be smart with it, too. Sometimes when it's a real little thing like that, it's hard to believe it's still hurt. But we got to make sure that he doesn't go out there and have a setback right away on it, too. That, to me, has me worried, Levin. Like, I have, I said it at the time. I think that this is a bigger injury than they're talking about. I think we're not going to see Lance till week three. And part of the reason is I talked with Mike Ryan, who is the sports medicine analyst for Sunday Night Football. Obviously, I got to know him when I was working at NBC. He was an athletic trainer for 26 years. And what he said to me was, because I, I pressed him saying, I broken bones take four to six weeks to heal. And he said, yes, the bone can heal in six weeks, but like a pebble in your shoe, if it's in the right location, it will feel better in one to three weeks. Now, that's great that it might feel better, Levin, but think about what Trey Lance is going to have to do, right? If he plays, he's going to have to take snaps. Every snap is repeated trauma on that finger. And by the way, it's the index finger of Lance's throwing hand. It's the touch finger. Yes, exactly. It's the one exactly. that touches your pass. It's the one that controls the spiral the most. It's the last finger to touch the football when you're throwing it. And so it's an important finger. It's an important digit. And so every snap, there's going to be trauma. Every read option, you know, where he's at the mesh point, there's going to be trauma. This is not something that I feel like you can just play with before it's totally healed because it's only going to get worse the more that you play. So I feel like they're going to have to be super cautious with Lance. They're going to have to keep him out. I don't think he plays week one. I don't think he plays week two. I think the earliest we see him is week three. This is one of those injuries. I think if Lance was the guy and there wasn't a viable second option, he would be playing through it. it, it it's kind of a pain tolerance thing. Um, but there is another option. And that other option is already the starter. So there's no reason to force Trey Lance in. What this smells like, as you said, is bullshit from Kyle. It is him not wanting to completely say Trey Lance is out because he wants the opponents to have to spend some time preparing for the run option type of plays Trey Lance could be running just so that they have to waste some practice time. And they have to you know, account for that, even though... I don't think there's a chance in hell Trey Lance comes in week one. And if he does, I would say that's negligence on the coaching staff's part. Let it heal. There's no reason to be inserting him right now. The other thing and that would I wish somebody from the 49ers media asked is, so this is a chip fracture. It's an avulsion fracture is what it's called. And what that means is the tendon that's attached to his bone pulled off a chip of bone. It just, that's what it is. So my next question is, he hasn't had surgery. Does that mean that there is a bone chip essentially floating around in Trey Lance's finger? Because if there is, which I, I mean, where else would it be, right? If it broke off from the bone, it's got to be in there. How do you fix that without surgery, right? Like, won't, won't it be in there until they go in and take it out? It's possible. You know, that, that's above my pay grade. Um, and I would all but guarantee Kyle would have sidestepped that the same way you would have to ask the doctors. You but, know, that, that's Kyle's way, but somebody needs to ask that yes. and then go find the team doctors and say, okay, bring him in here so we can ask him or ask another doctor. Like, like me asking Mike Ryan, like I'm sure a doctor can tell you whether or not they think a chip is in there. Like 
you can't just assume, well, this person's not going to answer that. That's not how you hold people accountable. You have to ask them that and make them responsible for their own words. Kyle, is this something that Trey Lance will eventually have to address with surgery? Maybe he says, we don't know at this time. Maybe he says, yeah, probably. The point is, you don't know for sure what he's going to say, so you have to ask the question. And it drives me nuts because I feel like questions like that are never asked by the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, it goes further than that on just the Trey Lance thing. You know, we'll get more into the cuts and all that, but they didn't press him to give any, like, real reasons. You know what I mean? They, they just go, oh, you kept him. What do you see in Jalen Hurd? Okay, why not ask, what did you see in Jalen Hurd that you didn't see in Webster? Why did you choose Hurd over Webster? You know what I mean? There's no follow-up to those questions. They're, they're not pressing to get the real meat of why they decided what they decided. They're just, oh, they kept this guy. You know, I'm, I'm trying not to be too harsh here, but anybody can report that. I could read the transcript and report what they did because they're not getting anything extra. They're not forcing the Niners to really elaborate and insert opinion. You know what I mean? The, the, the coaches and John Lynch and everybody – for the 49ers gets away with just giving the bare facts of we kept this guy. We didn't keep this guy. They're not getting any, uh, the opinion is what everybody wants to read. That's what, that's what sells papers. That's what sells the media. And, and all that is when you get coaches showing who they really are, you know what I mean? Like what did, what quote there did Kyle provide about roster setup that elaborated anything on, this is the 53 man roster. Like there's nothing extra there because nobody pressed. And that just, it, it it's long annoyed me about the Niners press corps. The best answers that you get, whether it's a press conference or an interview come from follow-up questions because you are making the person responsible for the words that have come out of their mouth. When I was at ESPN, Everybody had uh, the opportunity to go take this interviewing class, and it was awesome. It was a guy named John Sawatsky. He gave it was like a whole day about interviews and how to give them and what's a good question and what's a bad question. And basically, his my big takeaway from that is follow up questions will really get you to the meat of the issue, because when you ask a follow up question, the person has to give you a good answer or they run the risk of completely invalidating the previous thing they just said, which nobody wants to do, right? Nobody wants to look like a hypocrite. So when you ask a follow-up question, they have to give you some meat there, some sort of good response. Otherwise, they look like a hypocrite, and nobody ever wants to do that. And I feel like it's not just an issue with the 49ers press corps. And honestly, to me, I think it's an issue across the media. Um, but it's very frustrating as a as a fan and someone that cares so much about this because there are so many different questions that I feel like should be asked. And I feel like it's obvious that they should be asked, and yet they aren't because they don't want to risk pissing off the team. And this really – it falls back on a couple different places. And we've talked about the obvious one, but I think the non-obvious one are the bosses to all these reporters, the actual media – um outlets because there should be editors and bosses back there saying you need to press that we need more and there, there's no it doesn't seem like there's accountability to force them and at the same 
same time, if they ask those tough questions and piss off the Niners people, they need to have their back. And I don't know where it started. I don't know whether it was just the reporters stopped asking and the editors didn't push them to make them or whether the reporters who did ask those questions would be kind of pushed to different things. And thus everybody stopped asking those questions. Well, it absolutely drives me crazy. And I don't know that it's going to stop anytime soon, but I can promise you gentle listeners that we will call it out. Even if we can't necessarily get the answers ourselves. One more thing about uh, the injuries that I want to get to before we take a break and get to some of the roster construction stuff is I, I think that the 49ers have an issue with injuries and how they report them and how they deal with them consistently now. And God knows they've had enough injuries to see this pattern emerge. They always downplay that initially. It's always, oh, we don't think it's that serious or it's just a week or maybe one to two weeks. And it seems like with almost every guy, Kyle has to come back up to the podium. Oh, he had a setback. Oh, it's going to be a little longer. And I feel like it kind of makes the medical staff look worse than maybe they are because it always makes it look like either, oh, we thought it was one thing and we were wrong or, well, we were right, but this person had a setback during their injury rehab. And so now he's going to be out longer with Lance. Why didn't they just say, hey, he could be out two to three weeks, right? Boom. That you set the expectations initially right there. And then even if it is a one week thing or you think he'll be back after a week, if he comes back, then it becomes a good thing, right? Lance is ahead of schedule. He's a fast healer. He's coming back sooner than expected. Bam. Then it's like, great. But now instead of this, it's like, well, they said it was going to be one week. Turns out now he's going to be out longer. All of a sudden he's missing regular season games. I feel like the way they handle this needs to change. Uh, yes and no. Like, should the reporters be pressing Kyle to get more answers? Yes. Should Kyle be volunteering those? No. Like, he clearly sees it, and I don't disagree, a competitive advantage for your opponent to not know. And it is. You know, it gets back to what I said earlier. The Detroit Lions are going to have to prep for Trey Lance, even though I think it's probably... I would rate it as doubtful Trey Lance plays week one, you know, but now Detroit has to prep for him. Whereas if you come out and say it's a two to three week injury, he's definitely not playing. You let Detroit off the hook in terms of prepping that way. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is basically a less grumpy version of Bill Belichick when it comes to giving out info. He's not going to answer your question. He's not going to volunteer info. He's not going to give you a straight answer. He doesn't want you to know who's going to be the punt returner, even though who the fuck cares who the punt returner is, you know, like who cares? Like what's the competitive advantage there? But it's just this philosophy of I'm not giving you anything. I don't have to. The difference is, is Bill Pelichek does it with two middle fingers up <laughs> to the media and Kyle does it with a smile on his face. But why wait, if Kyle said he's going to be out two to three weeks and the Lions are like, oh, great. We don't have to prepare for Trey Lance. And then all of a sudden Kyle's like, hey, he's healing better than expected. He might be able to go. Then you you still have that competitive advantage. And I feel like then you don't make the medical staff or just the situation in general seem worse than maybe it is. Yeah, but Kyle knows damn well. Like I said, they have a viable second option. They don't have to pay, play Trey Lance. They're not going to. That's why I think he's doubtful. I think he could play if they needed him to, but they don't need him to. 
So he's not likely to play, and knowing he's not likely to play, why volunteer that info to Detroit? Yeah. Like, I think it, it, it sucks from for us, the fans, even you know the media. It sucks to be on this side of it, but I don't blame the team for doing that. The issue is, is that there should be media members there not allowing them to do that. Maybe with quarterback it's different. I see your point, but like – I like they kind of did it with Jaquiski Tart. Like, remember Shanahan was like, "Yeah, he's going to be out a while," and then all of a sudden there was that report that Hufanga could start, and then boom, Tart comes off the pup list, and it's like, "Hey, he's back better than we thought. We thought he was going to be out a while." It just like it it wor- it changes your perspective, and it gives you like a sense of like, "Hey, good things are happening with Tart with the Niners' health," as opposed to bad things. It's worse than we thought. This person's going to be out longer than we thought. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I'm just saying from a team perspective, Kyle Shanahan's side, he doesn't give two shits what it feels like because it's going to be what it's going to be. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't care that, oh, it feels better because he's back earlier than we thought. He doesn't care. And he has all the info. So he likely knew when and what the possibility was that Tart came back. And Tart's injury is kind of a unique one because it's one of those injuries that is incredibly painful um, but isn't necessarily like it doesn't it's not something that's going to break because you played on it. You know what I mean? It, it's a pain tolerance. It's just an incredibly painful thing that literally caused Patrick Willis to retire. But it's also one of those that literally could get better at any time. Like and that's what seems like it happened. Tart went from not practicing to suddenly he's like a full go. And he's probably going to be the starting strong safety, which I was happy to see. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back. I think the 49ers are making an exception for a player that I haven't seen them make for any other player in this regime. And I'll explain when we come back. Back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. All right, Levin, we haven't had a chance to talk since the 53-man roster became finalized. Uh, I did a pinch hit for Kyle Posey on the Shanna Plan podcast and sort of gave my thoughts on everything. I'm absolutely stunned that Jalen Hurd made this roster. I have no idea what Kyle Shanahan is basing this love of Jalen Hurd on because it's not even like, well, Kyle's had the chance to see him in practice. And, you know, so now he knows Hurd doesn't even practice two days in a row and he's coming off not one, but two major injuries. So how the hell does Kyle Shanahan have any idea what we have in Jalen Hurd yet Boom, automatically, before even the final preseason game, Kyle was like, oh, he's one of the six best wide receivers on the roster, and now he's got a spot on the team. I mean, Kyle sees him more than we do. Just because he's not fully practicing doesn't know Kyle hasn't seen his athletic ability. You know, I talked about that last week. If he's still that athletic freak, if you still see the flashes of it, it's worth keeping him around to see if he can suddenly have some health and better luck in that regard. And what are we really talking about? We're talking about the sixth wide receiver spot, essentially. If Hurd doesn't pan out, it's not like you lost anything. And that's what's driving me nuts over the last couple of days since the cuts happened. Everybody's all, oh, you know, Webster got picked up. You know, we should have kept him. He had so much promise. He's literally the sixth wide receiver. Like, if he was that good, he would have been given more opportunity in preseason and he would have made the roster. Like, we're not talking about losing some some big star it's highly unlikely webster amounts to anything in the nfl heard meanwhile has extreme upside he is a freak of nature in terms of size and athletic ability at least what we know he had at draft time a couple of years ago so 
to me, if you're talking about the end of the roster, why not keep the guy with the extreme high side and see what he has? Because in my opinion, if they had let Hurd go, somebody's claiming him just to kick the tires because he's Seattle. a six yeah, he's a six <laughs> foot four guy that was an athletic freak that a ton of people were really high on at draft time. Somebody would have claimed him just to kick the tires and see what he has athletically. All right, two things. One, he didn't look like a super athlete when we saw him in the game on Sunday. In fact, he looks slow to me. And, oh, by the way, he didn't even know where the hell to line up on one play. He had to be shuffled around by the other two receivers on the field. Two, the reason why you don't keep him, Levin, look at the rest of the construction of that wide receiver room. Debo Samuel, injury prone. Brandon Ayuk, injury prone. Trent Sherfield, we don't know. Jawan Jennings, injury prone. So, you're going to take this risk on herd when the other guys in your room have injury issues too. At least we know like Debo and Ayuk can produce when healthy. We know that we've seen it, right? Jawan Jennings, we're not sure. With herd, I feel like he's getting like the benefit of the doubt here, but he's never shown any of that. Why are you putting up with a guy that's this hurt all the time just to, for the opportunity to find out if he might be good? What is the alternative? You know, that's the question I would ask. So you would keep Webster? Like, what did Webster bring to the table? Keep Webster or go out and sign a receiver that somebody else let go? I, I do not understand this love of Jalen Hurd. We all act like, oh, if he just gets healthy, he'll be good. And it's like, no, we don't even know that. I see your point of view, but it's worth kicking the tires. Like I said, we're talking about the sixth wide receiver. We're not talking about some all-important position that he's taking up. And we're not talking about we released a guy that showed this extreme promise, and it's really a shame that we lost out on being able to keep this guy who could end up being a really valuable receiver elsewhere. That didn't exist. That situation doesn't exist. We didn't really lose anything by keeping him, and we could gain a lot by keeping him. And I, I got to go back to we don't get to see him every day. Maybe he has an like an and I know how you're going to react to this, but maybe his attitude is really good. Maybe he's extremely determined. Maybe he's working out to, you know, the extreme level that he's allowed to with these injuries. And so you see the work ethic and you think this guy is big. He was athletic. If he can retain any of that athleticism, I've seen the work ethic through these injuries. I'm confident he'll turn into something. We don't get to see that. Only Kyle and the other coaches know that. A lot of guys have work ethic. And that's great that he does. I just don't feel like that justifies what they've done. And I know you, you've said that it's a six wide receiver, but like the other receivers are going to get hurt. So I feel like it's not just going to be a guy at the end of the depth chart that never plays. That's what I'm worried about here. Uh, Lynch was asked about Jalen Hurd, and I thought he gave a pretty honest answer. He said, do we feel 100% ironclad that he's proven he can stay healthy in the short amount of time he's been out there? No, but we feel like the talent that he brings, and it's not just the talent. And this sort of goes back to what you were saying, Levin. It's not just the talent. He also brings a physicality and an attitude that he plays with that I believe is really contagious to our team. And so, again, you have backup plans for everything, but we want to enter this year with Jalen there, and we'll see how that goes. I'd love to hear the backup plan. Again, like follow-ups, right? Like first follow-up question for me as soon as he says that. Great, John. What's the backup plan? Because I feel like you're going to need it. They very well might. I'm just making the point to you. You seem to think, well, the guy's never healthy, so you can't keep him because the people in front of him were healthy. What's the alternative? 
what what would you have done to address that situation to where you know you have a guy in the six wide receiver spot who is definitely going to be healthy and able to fill in if needed? Like, I, I don't feel like there was that option, and I don't feel like pretty much any team in the NFL has that option at the end of their wide receiver depth chart to go, well, this guy I know can definitely contribute. Well, if he can definitely contribute, he wouldn't be the sixth wide receiver. I get, like, here's my question to you. Just knowing what you know about Jalen Hurd, is it more likely he plays or more likely he doesn't play? You have to say it's more likely he doesn't play. Right, and it's not even close. alternative? Like, you're not, there's not a alternative situation that the Niners could have chosen any other wide receiver in my opinion any other wide receiver so you would have kept Webster a guy that we didn't even really see do anything you would have kept him yeah because like at least he's we know he's probably going to be able to play it doesn't matter how talented you are if you can't actually get out on the field and I I don't know I don't understand this fascination with Jalen Hurd you know, uh, Kyle loves him. He's clearly Kyle's guy. And I feel like that's what Kyle should say. I know it doesn't make any sense and we wouldn't do this with any other player, but I really like this guy and it's my call. So I'm keeping him that at least I would respect. I just think you're, you're creating a situation that that is close to what it is, but isn't actually what the situation is. You, you're saying that they should have done this. Well, your alternative situation is no sure thing. And isn't really any better. Like, I I would be on board with you. Like, I I wasn't definitely in the boat. You have to keep Jalen Hurd. But I don't see an option that the 49ers had that was better. And I don't see a wide receiver that was dropped by another team that left me saying the Niners should have definitely claimed him and let Hurd go. Trent Taylor's out there. Just throwing it out there, Levin. Can have, have a little... is out there. I know. I saw that, too. He got cut. First, he made the roster, and then he got cut, like, the next day. So that, that's a rough go for Pettis. Um, was there anything else about the 53-man that jumped out to you at any of the other positions, you know, just anywhere? No. Like, th- like I said, this is about as boring of a cut-down week as this could have been, in my opinion. I don't really see any big controversial uh, moves. There were a couple that people were like, oh, how how could they do that? That I think were just needing something to react to because there really wasn't anything to react to. If you're upset that they let Webster go, you know, <laughs> you're you're making something out of nothing. If uh, I'm trying to remember the, the uh, old lineman that was let go that's now been re-signed, like, all the things that people were complaining about either weren't an issue or were only done so that they could move somebody to IR first and then re-signed the player. You know, the Dante Johnson situation, everybody was going, who's Devonte Harris and making big jokes about, it. they didn't even know he was on the roster, which <laughs> I mean, that isn't necessarily something I, I would readily admit that you didn't know somebody who's actually making the 53 man roster was on the team, but that was done so that they could move him to IR and brought Dante Johnson right back. Like there's just no controversy here. There's nothing. I love that. They kept 11 defensive linemen. I love it. Like they know where their bread is buttered. They know how they're going to win. They kept all these guys. Shanahan only kept two quarterbacks, which I think he didn't want to do, but I think he realized like these guys are so good and the ability to be able to rotate guys and keep people fresh on that D line. The whole key to success for this team, I think is pressure up front and they kept 11 defensive linemen because they know it. 
Yeah, I mean, they kept 11, but they kept 10. Because Mohurst is going to IR. But Well, yeah, but he'll be back. <laughs> that's one of those, That's yeah, I know. But that that's one of those temporary situations. On paper, they kept 11. In reality, they kept 10 because they knew they were going to be moving one of them to IR and signing a different position to replace. Um, but that opens the door because what's the likelihood Mohurst is ready to come back and all the other defensive linemen are healthy? Right. Not very good. So it made sense to do that because they knew if they dropped any of them, somebody's picking them up. So I think it was a good move, and I think that's what keeping two quarterbacks allowed them to do. If they kept three quarterbacks, I don't think they could have done the 11 defensive lineman move. And, I mean, I think that was the one thing that people could have been up in arms about, but the Niners ended up making the correct decision. They kept two quarterbacks. If they had kept three, that's what we would have been talking about at the start of this show. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it in the past, how C.J. Beathard was taking up a roster spot that didn't seemingly make any sense. So it seems like they have corrected it. The other thing, uh, before we wrap up here, Kyle Shanahan, I mean, he basically said he thinks this team is really freaking good. And, you know, Kyle, he's he's honest, but I feel like he doesn't overly praise his guys. But listen to what Kyle Shanahan said. I think it was the last question or second to last question in his press conference about how good he thinks overall this roster can be. I mean, I feel this is the third year in a row that – I feel like we have a chance in every game that we're in, and that's kind of all you ask for from, you know, your talent standpoint, um, from what a the situation or organization gives you. Uh, I don't feel like everyone year in and year out um, always does have a chance, and to be there three years in a row, just from what we've done in the off season to how it is right now, going through camp, uh, I feel real good about it. If you're new to the 49ers for some reason, or you haven't heard Kyle Shanahan speak, let me just tell you, him saying we have a chance to win every game, that's Shanahan for. I think this team is really good. Like he's not, that's as high praise as he's going to give the team. But I think Kyle thinks that they have loaded up, that they are able to withstand injuries and that they're going to murder some people this year. All right. Here, here's the wet blanket time. Oh, here we go. What coach criticizes his team and says, no, nah, I don't think we can win every game before the season even starts. The Owen 16 lions. I guarantee you we're thinking that they could beat any team going into the season, like show me a coach that says, nah, there's teams we can't beat. And I'll show you a coach that's about to be fired. <laughs> What's he supposed to say? Like you're starting a season. Like if you admitted, no, I don't think we can make the playoffs this year. Our team's not very good. The owner would be saying you mother, you just cost me ticket sales and memorabilia sales and money. You're fired. He said, wet blanket i feel real good about it look kyle shanahan is not afraid to rip his guys remember when brandon Ayuk, after brandon Ayuk had the best game he's ever had career high in receiving yards do you remember what kyle said after the game his exact quote was i think he took a step back tonight <laughs> like a step back after a career high in receiving yards he is not afraid to pump the brakes on everything and the fact that he said he feels real good about it and they have a chance to win every game, I think that's what he's telling you there is, I think we're going to crush people. I think there's a difference about uh, talking about a player and their performance individually and saying, can your team win? Every single coach is going to say their team can win. But not every single time are they going to say this player's, you know, 
the best player at his position. There's a difference there. Human wet blanket. <laughs> I'm trying to end the show on a positive note. Get ready, everybody. I'm trying to manufacture bullshit. And we just talked about how we have bullshit meters it's on not. this show. It is. I totally what is he disagree. supposed to say? What was he supposed to say? His The question he was asked was, where are you as far as this entire roster? How confident are you with the 1-53? to 53? He didn't have to say, I feel really good about it. I think we could win every game. He said, hey, look, it's not the final. He could have gone back to his default thing, right? It's not the final 53. It changes every single week. Never in the history of football has the 53-man roster stayed the same. You know, his, his standard package response. But he didn't say that. He went out of his way to say something different. And that's why I think it's not bull weapon. And that's why I think that you should be happy. Allow yourself to be happy. Raise your expectations. And let's go here. Have a little hope before the season starts, you jerk. Who said I don't have hope? I just call things what they are. Like a coach saying he thinks his team can win every game is not news. You are looking too much at the literal words he used and not enough at the context and what we've seen from Kyle Shanahan. That's what I'm saying. I feel like I'm going to have to go back and look because I would bet in previous years he's gone into the season saying, oh, I think we can be a really good team, which is saying the same thing as I think we can win every game or something along those lines. Good. That's your homework assignment, Dan. You go back and show me. Go back and show me because I don't know. I don't think that you're going to be able to find it. So, all right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you haven't done it already, rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. You're not going to want to miss the shows that we have planned for you. We also may try and sneak in another host if we can before the start of the regular season. Nothing's guaranteed yet, but you never know. So I'm just saying now is the perfect time to subscribe. Levin, enjoy your week. Go get some sleep. I know you were working the night shift last night. You stayed up extra early to get this done. It's probably why you're in such a bad mood, but I appreciate it. Yeah, some jerk wouldn't record last night because he thought there was going to be real big news. Hey, don't blame me. <laughs> blame Kyle and John, all right? I can't... Not only that, but I had to stay up for multiple hours after getting home because Hey, somebody cares enough about their kids to want to take them to school. (laughs) Those damn kids. They're always getting in the way of my podcast. All right, everybody, enjoy your week. We'll talk to you next week.